Welcome to the PSD Cast with your host, Jason Lomberg at Power Systems Design. Well, 5G, what else can be said? You know, it's been known as much for the international intrigue, of course, as the actual tech itself, but 5G is the future of telecommunications, and as such, it's significantly faster and more reliable than the status quo. Now, 5G's peak data rate tops out at 20 gigabits per second, while 4G only hits one. 5G connects up to a million devices per square kilometer, while 4G handles only 100,000, and the 5G network will be 100 times more energy efficient than 4G, and that's just for starters. You know, 5G definitely has a crucial role to play, especially in the area of the Internet of Things and first responder applications, and that's where today's guest comes in. Uh, Telit is one of the leading enablers of the IoT, so they have a rather unique perspective on, on these issues and 5G's potential. It's my distinct pleasure to welcome Telit's Ken Bednas to the show. And Ken, welcome aboard. And for those who need a refresher course, how is 5G fundamentally different from what's out there right now, you know, especially 4G? Yeah, thanks, Jason. I think first thing today, you know, 5G is not a direct replacement for 4G. Um, 5G is, is looking to provide enhancements uh, to the 4G network. So, we're, you know, 5G is adding new components. I think you touched on some of them, but definitely the enhanced mobile broadband where we will see higher data speeds, like you mentioned, 20 gigabits per second. So we're talking, you know, 10 to 20 times faster than existing current 4G LTE networks out there today. Um, there's a there's a, a function about massive control, you know, meaning ultra low latency, uh, massive capacity, like you mentioned, and then you know uh, mission critical control for first responders, and a third component which is focused around machine type communication or massive IoT. So, you know, you know, making the network the RF spectrum more efficient, and you know, extending battery life to last 10, 20, 30 years. Um, but beyond that, uh, 5G. From a technical perspective, is adding new frequency bands, uh, which is very different than the existing 4G LTE network today. So, um, 5G is adding what they call millimeter wave frequency, which is uh, frequencies that are going roughly from 20 to 50 gigahertz. So, frequencies much higher than we use today with our traditional, you know, 3G and 4G networks out there today, which are typically called sub 6 gigahertz. So the millimeter wave is going to allow us to have extremely large bandwidth channels. We're talking 800 megahertz wide channels, and this is where the high data speed comes in. So one of the key aspects of the gigabit LT we talked about, or gigabit uh, uh, 5G, is really around millimeter wave. Um, so that's one of the fundamental differences compared to the 4G networks we see today. Uh, you know, one thing to point out, that 5G networks today are still coexistent with the 4G LT networks. So 5G channels are being anchored by 4G LTE, uh, which is called NSA mode or not standalone. Um, and we'll continue to see that for you know, a few years ahead. But 4G will continue to deliver many key features like voice communication. Uh, obviously, 4G has great coverage. Uh, there is some gigabit LTE today. Um, we have a product which supports uh, LTE category 18, which is 1.2 gigabits per second running over 4G. Um, with our LM960 data card. And then also, we're going to talk uh, a little bit about the IoT technologies of 5G, which is really uh, category M1 and narrowband one, uh, narrowband 1 or narrowband IoT, uh, which are the 5G compatible IoT technologies, but they're still running over the 4G LTE core today. Again, that will change in the future. Um, where the, you know, in the future, we'll see 5G go into what they call an SA architecture or standalone architecture. 
Um, but again, to your point, 5G is really uh, bringing some major advancements to cellular communications. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the IoT in, in reference to, to 5G, and, and I hope this doesn't sound too, too broad, but how will um, 5G help enable the Internet of Things exactly? Yeah, I think, you know, first with cellular communications, there's been a rapid uh, change in the technology over the last, let's say, five years. Um, you know, traditionally with IoT, we were using cell phone technology. So we were using 2G, 3G, even 4G for, for IoT, but it was really cell phone technology. So it wasn't optimized for size, cost, power. It wasn't optimized for, for battery life. And that's really changed now with, you know, with 5G and with 5G compatible technologies. So we take a, uh, you know, current state of the, you know, the technologies today. Um, we have the new technologies, which were introduced in release 13, which are the low, period, low power wide area technologies like category M1 and narrowband one. Um, so these are the 5G compatible technologies that are being used for IoT deployments today. So anything new designed around IoT, um, where size, cost, power is really important. They're, they're, they're selecting technologies which are 5G compatible, like category M1 or narrowband IoT. Um, you know, if we talk about some of the legacy technologies, we have the 2G or second generation technology, which has uh, mainly be, been sunset in North America, um, yet it you know, still remains alive in, in Europe and other regions of the world. Um, and now we're reaching uh, the point where the 3G or third generation technology is kind of going away in North America. So this is, uh, you know, where the sunset process is going to start with some of the national mobile network operators in North America. So this really leaves us today in a 4G and 5G world. And so some of these key technologies like CAT M1 and Narrowband 1 um, are great selections. They're going to ensure a long lifespan for these IoT devices as they start being deployed. Um, right. Right, right. Well, you know, why is, why is 5G such a great fit for um, the mission-critical applications that I mentioned earlier, like the first uh, responder equipment? Yeah, it really comes back to some of the, you know, the, the key advancements that 5G is offering, you know, uh, reliability, um, you know, low latency, high data speed. So those are all three uh, key aspects for first responders. Um, so we take a look at low latency. In the past, with 2G and 3G technologies, we were talking around half a second um, for, for latency, which wasn't ideal for many different use cases. But now with 5G, uh, it's going to take us under five uh, milliseconds. So now we're getting to the point where we can have new generation of devices for first responders. Um, you know, we're talking about autonomous driving vehicles and robots. Um, we're talking about being able to control um, you know, uh, uh, first respond equipment in the field, first responder equipment in the field. Um, you know, drones, we can now control drones with 5G because of the responsiveness and low latency of 5G. Then, of course, reliability. Uh, reliability is ex extremely important. You know, if we, you know, if we go through any more natural disasters, we have to make sure that that network's up and running, and 5G is making sure there's a lot of redundancy built throughout the network to ensure that those communication channels stay open for first responders. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, you know, Ken, we've, we've covered um, Huawei a lot in our blog section and in the PSD cast discussing the company and its role in the trade war between the U.S. and China, and of course the ensuing tariffs and the free world's general reluctance to do business with them. But, um, you know, strictly from an industry perspective, and since Huawei represents such a huge chunk of the 5G market, how, how do you think they'll affect the, the global 5G rollout? 
Yeah, I think, you know, with new technologies um, and with technology evolutions like 5G, there will always be new suppliers, you know, and I think it just shows how big 5G is going to be. 5G is a truly global technology. Um, 5G is a 3GPP standard. So that gets the interest of a lot of suppliers. So, so I think in general, I think the opportunity is so significant that you'll see many companies battling for market share, um, you know, the existing companies and, and then the, the new infrastructure providers that are out there. Um, and then what happens is the mobile network operators or MNOs around the world will need to select their 5G partners. You know, who are they going to use for their uh, equipment and infrastructure? And each of those MNOs has different requirements, right? They have different requirements, different standards that will lead them to make their selection what's the right company to work with, you know, for their region or for their needs. And so I know in the U.S., uh, you know, they're definitely leading in, in 5G network rollout. So, you know, the, the major network operators like AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, they've, mainly, they've already made their uh, 5G infrastructure partner selection, and so you know, I think we're going to lead the way. So I think there's a there's a lot to be determined still when it comes to 5G around the world, and I think people are going to look towards the U.S. to see what we have done. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I think um, I, I think it's kind of inevitable that 5G is going to happen one way or the other, but it's it's just a matter of getting there. And 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 with that, I I'd, I'd ask what's what would you say the biggest obstacle is to the global deployment of 5G technologies? Well, I, th I think there's, you know, there's, there's definitely a couple, couple obstacles. I mean, there's, uh, you know, 5G is, is, uh, is, is, is expensive, I think. So I think there's the investment side of it, which can take some time. Um, there's also coverage. You know, building out these networks takes many years, especially look at the U.S. There's, you know, a huge land mass, so it's not going to happen over, you know, one or two years. It's going to take a little bit more time than that. Uh, there's also uh, 5G spectrum auctions that haven't taken place yet. So I think that's one of the challenges. Um, those are mainly from the business side. Now, as you talk about the technical side, uh, we, we talked a little bit about millimeter wave earlier, uh, which is a very high frequency range. You know, we're talking 20, 30, 40 gigahertz. And so this is a huge, huge challenge, huge technical challenge because it requires special antennas. Um, it also uh, really uh, it hurts some of the coverage. You know, we're used to using lower frequency bands, you know, 700, 800, 1900 megahertz, which can travel many miles. When you get into the millimeter wave frequency bands, the, those, those that frequency range and that technology can only travel maybe about a mile. And so there's definitely some uh, you know, commercial challenges and, and definitely some uh, technical challenges. And I think the last technical challenge, which I'll mention that people don't think of very often, is, is the backhaul. And so we have this wonderful uh, you know, 5G uh, new radio technology that's out there and with extremely high data rates between the user, the device, and the cell tower. But some, some places around the world, I mean, I know the U.S. is leading, but um, is, is the fiber, is, is the backhaul. You know, how do we get this extremely large amounts of data, you know, passed around the world? And so, so I think one of the biggest challenges is not the technology itself, but it's the backhaul, uh, what the mobile network operators need to do to build that out across, you know, their countries and their areas. Mm. Well, Excellent. Thank, thanks for all the great information, Ken. Um, on behalf of TSD, I, I want to thank you for your time. And to our audience, thanks for tuning in.